Welcome to Hellbent for Metal, a podcast that falls deeper into the role written in a drunken haze, it seems, by the Shakespeare in us. And then we're not averse to a little bit of the bard inside. Was that Sonata Artica? It was Sonata Artica, that was larger <laughs> than life. Yeah. Oh my god. I'm so good at this. Is this because of my pick next week? Or did you already have that? No, I already had that before you told me what your pick next week is. I swear, <laughs> I, I promise you, that was a, a, a just like what say something that I think you know Matt will actually get. Bang in it! I, it's a brilliant song, and I'm, I went well. I think Matt will remember that one because God, we poured over those lyrics for our hours. First ever special. Yeah. It was our first ever special. It's the only one that's still that's on Spotify at the moment. Um, and all the other platforms as well. Other platforms are available. Um, this is Hellbent for Metal, the LGBTQ plus heavy metal podcast in partnership with Notfest. I'm Tom Dare. I apologise in advance. And with me, as ever, is a man who is himself larger than life. Seriously, he's unbelievably tall. Uh, Matt Rushton, are you suitably full of rage this week, Matt? Yes, mate. They're at it again. The homophobes are at it again. But enough of Doctor Who news. Oh, yeah. Twitter. Oh, God. Chuty Gatwa. Oh, what a what an absolute so wonderful! T- he's such a talent. He's an yeah. unbelievable talent, and he's gorgeous too. We just like to say, that. you know, obviously the the talent is why he's got it. But did you see his outfit at the Baftas? I did not. I mean, I obviously watched Sex Education, and he looks fabulous enough in that. But no, I've not seen his uh, Baftas. No. Weirdly, despite the fact that yeah, you know, that show is called Sex Education, you see more of his his like assets in this course i say weirdly in the show he's playing a 17 year old of course they're not <laughs> top off. It's, it's not weirdly that's entirely like one the law and two like entirely appropriate but no it, it, as his as his real 29 year old self at the baftas he wore a quite revealing top and a lot of men have been and women for that matter have been very distracted it's like well we'd like to talk about your talent because it's enormous but if you're going to flaunt that at us we uh, might need a moment. Uh, I see it. I see it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he he is a a extremely well um looked after gentleman. And, yeah, and I did ha- not know he was twenty nine. That's mental. Yeah. Oh, really? I oh, I I th- consistently thought that the only member of the sex education class who was within five years of their character was Asa Butterfield, who is like I think he is five years old in his character, and everyone else is like ten. It's a classic thing of any time you've got um, a, a high school th- anything involving 16 to 18-year-olds, all the actors are going to be in their late 20s. In the case of Buffy yeah. the Vampire Slayer, I think one of them was in their 30s. I think Nicholas Brendan was like 31 when he got yeah, cast so. as that, which is why they all have suspiciously more stubble than anyone <laughs> any anyone I went to school with. Always had a bit of a thing for Asa Butterfield as well. Good show that. Uh, weirdly enough, I haven't because he is dramatically younger than me, and that would be like <laughs> extremely concerning. Um, I, th- I think the person that I found like the most kind of attractive in that show is um, Jason Isaacs, which is weird because he's playing an arsehole, and I do not like bad boys at all. <laughs> like you know that whole stereotype that you know people like bad people like a bad boy. Not me. I like nice guys. I genuinely mm. I, I I find mm. I find people who are nice and kind very attractive call me crazy um being told to piss off and you know treated like shit is is not a turn on but yeah J- but yeah jason isaacs is the one that i go hmm. he's a very very nice looking gentleman 
Uh, the reason I, Matt and I are ta- are both a bit pissed off, and when I say a bit, quite a lot pissed off. We can't. I've calmed down a bit since Saturday when I was furious. Um, but the reason we're a bit miffed is that we're going to kick the show off with a harmony corruption. This is where we take a look at someone within metal being, shall we say, less than helpful to the queers uh, in our in our scene or just generally. And this happened the Saturday before the show came out. Because Incineration Festival, which is an indoor festival in London that's mostly black metal with a bit of death metal for variety, which I went to the very early editions of, um, and quite a few after that, for that matter, because I was working for magazines at the time, but also because it was centred around Camden, and there, there is very few like better places for an indoor festival within London than that. That took place this weekend, and it was headlined by Emperor, and you can probably guess what we can talk about. That in itself is fine, right? The problem is that they got fucking Faust back on the stage. If you don't know who Faust is, the full details got discussed in great detail on HBFM24. So if you want to know the full, like, awfulness, you can go and listen to that. Nothing has changed since, to my knowledge. The short version is that in 1992, Faust, whose real name is Bord Eitun, murdered a gay man, Magna Andreasen, by stabbing him 37 times and kicking his head repeatedly while he lay dying. The murder took place at a cruising spot, and it was a hate crime. Faust was tried, convicted, and sentenced to 14 years in prison, of which, he, of which he served nine years and four months. He has never, as far as we can tell, and we've been looking, made any public statement of remorse of any kind. And yet Emperor have now brought him back for performances on at least three separate runs, not just for three separate gigs, on for at least three separate like times. Now... I really don't want to dwell on this because it's not really anything new from when we spoke about him before and we need to get to why we're actually talking about him rather than just sighing and ignoring it, which would probably be better for our you know, mental equilibriums. But Matt, how would you sum up how what I've just described makes you feel? You know, obviously I sort of, we've talked about this on episode 24, like you said, and obviously I know exactly what happened anyway and I've heard it a million times, but still, every time it's actually said, it's just fucking breaks your heart don't it like it's and you know does fill you with rage because we discussed in episode 24 as well about the sort of how we how our views on like remorse are um but just because there's been none of that it's like and if i'm not mistaken he like wasn't announced for this right because oh he was really no he was announced big style oh was he yeah because that that was what we obviously spoke about before because he was on the poster and he was like a market employee but um yeah, I just and just all the fucking shit on Twitter on it, like we were seeing. This, I mean, yeah, we'll get, we'll get to that in a sec. Yeah, <laughs> what it makes me feel is is unsafe for one and unwelcome. Like, like I, my safety, my physical safety, matters less than someone who is adequate at playing drums. Because let's be clear, he's not being brought back because no one else can play those songs. He's being brought back for sentimental reasons and mm-hmm. for like marketing reasons. Mm-hmm. It's not because Trim can't and hasn't played those songs because he played them for donkey's years. It's just that with those years that with the years that Faust was in prison. It also says that Ishan gives more of a shit about playing with his mate than he does about the message it sends to all the gays in the audience that our lives are unimportant, which mm-hmm. I find absolutely infuriating. And I, 
I presume he doesn't realise it. I presume he's trying to say, oh, but people can be, you know, there is forgiveness and reconciliation and all that jazz. And he doesn't realise that it's actually sending the message that because he hasn't sent, he's there's been no remorse, he's sending the message that we just don't matter. Yeah, I mean, Eshan spoke about it a few years ago and sort of said that, you know, different people have different views on, like, how people can change and whatever. And, you know, he's he served his time, he gets to start anew and all that. It's like, well, not if there's never an apology or something. But also, that's not even how the law works, right? It's not the case that if you if you served your time, you automatically are just done now, right? Yeah. Like, if you get out, if you get let out early, well, at least in in Britain, and I presume it's quite similar in Norway, if you get get let out of prison early, you will probably have certain conditions on your release, right? Mm. There will be certain things that if you do, you're going back to prison. There are certain crimes where if you commit them, there are longer term restrictions on your freedom I mean, he couldn't get into america so like it's not like he gets to start a new completely is it so. yeah and like he he gets in because we have a, a freedom of movement treaty with the way that says that he can he can come in right that's why he gets in if yeah. if you know if there had been a different um outcome diplomatically in 2020 he might not have been allowed in and so it's not the case that if you served your time, that's it, everything is forgotten. No, that's not even how the law works, let alone how morality works. No. You were, yeah, on the morality point, like, and to make this specifically a, a sort of queer thing, I think if someone, you know, stabbed someone to death 37 times and they were straight or whatever, then people, I think, would just kick off. Like, there'd be no way that they would sort of let them off the hook like they're doing with Faust. And, you know, this might be in my head, but I just feel... Like it, it, it sort of sends the message that it a lot matter less. I s seriously suspect that if he had done like a, a Varg Vickerness crime, if he'd killed another black metal musician, he wouldn't be invited back. Irrespective of like not yeah. being, not as far as I'm aware, having openly stated support for Nazism. If even if we exclude that from the conversation, I still think that he wouldn't be accepted back if he'd like. If he'd murdered Euronymous, I don't think he'd be allowed back. Because I think one, I think the members of Mayhem would object, and the, their word within the scene still carries a lot of weight. It shouldn't, but it does. And I suspect a lot of the other people who were still friends of, you know, who still considered the person who died a friend, and a mourning him would find it completely unacceptable that he was he was back amongst them. But because it was a, it was queer, it's fine. Yeah. Anyway, none of that is new, right? We could, if the, if it was just the case that you know, oh, Bard's back again. Well, oh, do we have to? Not really. We're not really helping anything. That's all exactly as horrible as it was before. What's new are two things. The first it wasn't really enough to make me want to do anything about it in advance, even though I knew it was coming because it was announced. I mean, you say it wasn't really right. us. No, it, it was. It was. Yeah, put, I did, I didn't wasn't that, put on the poster, but both Emperor and Incineration Festival announced it and said, "Oh, Faust is coming back for some uh, special appearance and and things like that." That only alone wasn't enough to make me actually want to cover it though, because it's it's horrible and it's not fun for us. But when you add the second thing, I, oh boy, I'm hopping. First thing is that it was one thing for Emperor to do a stream on their own backs with Faust, right? It's another thing entirely for an independent metal festival in London getting him over with the band and advertising it as a selling point, like they did. That's fucking rank, right? 
That says that I am not wel- welcome at Incineration Festival. That the times I went before, actually, they weren't all right with me at all. That actually, I don't mm. matter to them. And I think they've made a colossal mistake that they really should try and make amends for. I don't. Th- I'm not asking for anyone to cancel them. I'm not saying boycott them or any of that kind of nonsense. I'm just saying that they should, just on a moral basis, try and redress the balance there. They've certainly lost the chance of me personally buying a ticket until they do, because I just go, oh, I'm not welcome there, I'm not safe. They have been promoting a homophobic murderer who's expressed no remorse in public to sell tickets, and that in itself is homophobic, right? Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I'm fucking... It's sickening. I mean, like, there's so many festivals at the minute that... I'm, having, I'm sort of staying away from on a sort of moral ground because they're fucking fucking stupid shit and whatever. But like, this is I think the worst of the lot, isn't it? Like, you know, an actual murderer, an actual certainly in Britain, murderer. Yeah, yeah. Like, come on, for fuck's sake. Yeah, but it's this is not a difficult one, right? You could have you could quite easily booked Empress or the same number, almost the same number of tickets, and <laughs> said no, you, we we don't want Faust trim. Yeah, fine. Well, yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Emperor, uh, like a massive bunch, like. Do you think they'd sell less tickets if they didn't announce Faust? Like, what the the biggest black metal band of all time? It barely affect the ticket sales. Exactly. Most of the sets the same. He only played the songs from the the Wrath yeah. the Tyrant EP and um uh, not Anthems of the Walking Dusk uh, in the Nightside Eclipse. So, Trim playing an extra handful of songs but barely changes the bill. All it does is give you this kind of. And say, oh, it's been COVID's been really shit for my business. I need to push a few extra tickets out the door. So you're you're fucking telling all the queer fans that they can fuck off for a few extra tickets. No, that's not right. I'm sorry. I don't want to really shout and say and scream. That is not an acceptable way to conduct a, a, a metal festival, and it never was. There was a time when people like us weren't around or weren't didn't have a platform to actually say. This isn't yeah. right. Please don't do it. You or you might need to rethink this. You're not doing what you think you're doing. You're actually sending a really horrendous message out, and you're you are in itself part of the problem now. Right? It's not that it's not that you're kind of it is not a neutral position. It is an active position. You are actively promoting the homophobe, and that that makes me furious. The second thing, and this is this for me is the bit that just went. No, I'm sorry that. But, Fuck the, what we have planned. This is we have to do. This. Here we go. <laughs> Was watching people that I thought better of, who one hundred percent know who Faust is and what he did and why we are pissed as hell about this. Saying on social media what a lovely time they had and how great it was to see Emperor, which once again says you care more about them riffs than it does about the life of a gay dude. Yeah, a number of these people, and I'm not going to name them because, again, I'm not trying to get anyone cancelled. That doesn't help anyone. But a number of those people are people who have tried to make out that they're allies. Like, am I being unfair in thinking that now looks utterly performative? Yeah, like, not completely. Uh, this was what really did it for me. Um, seeing sort of certain other, seeing, like you said, people that you thought better of, but seeing especially other people like in the music press that, especially some, you know some of whom apparently had a problem last year with Faust being announced in the band 
now fawning now over conveniently forget and, it yeah, yeah yeah and glossing over this part like you can fucking shove your hypocrisy up your ass like get fucked if you don't care that's oh, it's not fine but we're but at least be honest about it don't try and say you're on your side and then bait no and exactly like we know we've had enough shit to deal with being queer that we know that those people exist right but don't try and fucking act like you care about us like there's no point like that doesn't benefit anyone it's ridiculous no no if anything it makes it harder right yeah like saying oh we're fine but then actually because it what it does it's the classic thing of the politician who says they're going to fix something and then doesn't right because you've convinced us to to quieten down and, and to slack off at the at the you know the stop trying to push for the changes that are badly needed because you're saying you're going to do them and then you don't do them and all of a sudden five years have passed and it's the next election and nothing has changed and you know because you've been saying oh we're for the quiz you've motivated all the people on the other side right all the people mm -hmm. who are really fucking hateful has spent five years really working up ahead of steam so that when it comes to the next election they're really cross and they go straight to the polls and they vote for the most extreme candidate they can and you get a fucking hostile government right which has happened time after time after time in a bunch of countries around the world including this one right if you're doing that on a much smaller scale the effect is roughly the same because what you're doing is yeah. making us complacent so we kind of we stop yeah. talking about that so much it's quite a long time since we had an angry show right yeah. and part of it is because it seemed kind of unnecessary it seemed like yeah. so many people have kind of have got it now and then shit like this happens and you go oh fuck we should have kept up being angry but I, I just don't get it. Like the pe those people that we mentioned, like that apparently had a problem last year, like but now we're glossing over it. Like what's in it for them? I don't understand why they would do that in the first place. Them riffs. We. That's it. Yeah, but why act in the first place? Like it would be much easier because because they get to feel better about themselves. Oh well, yeah, I was gonna say it would be much easier for us if we just knew in the first place, because then we could just know to fucking stay away from them. You know. Yeah. But there are t there are two reasons, two main reasons why people do performative allyship. Once, right? One is the corporate thing, which is it's good for our brand. That's true. Yeah. Right. The second reason is it people get to feel good about themselves. Oh no, I'm on the side of the queers. I'm on the side of women. I'm on the side of people of colour. I'm good. Are you actually doing anything about it? No. When it comes to the t the time when you have a moral choice, you can either you have to either oppose or support. If you, mm -hmm. you then choose to support because it benefits you, because it, you know, you you prefer that for whatever reason, then actually, you haven't been an ally at all. You've just got to feel good about yourself until it mattered, and then you just you know yeah. you chose to fuck us over. And there's a difference as well. Like, look, if you want to listen to the Emperor records that have Faust on in your own time, I'm not going to fucking stop you. But when it's something like this and you're buying tickets, you are supporting that guy like he's not you know he's not playing the fucking gig for free is he like he's you are lying in his pockets and i just think that's disgusting yeah you're you've financially supported them yeah uh, i also want to make clear i don't actually have a problem with people i used to but i used to think think a certain way on this and then i had my mind changed by some smart people making complete sense i used to think that people who played on bills with like really really like definitively shit moral bands i used to think that was kind of cowardly or uh, at worst kind of enabling i have radically changed my mind and i can actually really respect the idea of people saying hey there is a different way like yes they are on the bill but we have a different choice right most i should have the, the example comes up again carcass 
who did the, the like the most that they could get away with without fucking themselves over at Bloodstock of saying yeah. we see the irony of you know having the Sophie Lancaster station and fucking Faust on after us. Yeah. Like that I respect. And that if you if you do choose that course, I respect that. So it's not I don't want anyone to start attacking people who are there or attacking yeah, yeah, yeah completely other bands on the festival because there are ways that you can Maintain you your morals. Make, you can like make even more of a point sometimes, can't you? Yeah. Like with you know, if if you know that like you know, if you're a support band and the band that headline and you you sort of don't agree with their morals, you can like I said, do the whole carcass thing, sort of try and subtly work it in. Or you do what do, when 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 Mwa played um, uh, Damnation a few years ago, and that band fuck right off seriously, mm-hmm. awful. Um, when they played. Dawn Raid famously said, "Well, we're gonna we're gonna stay on the bill, and we're gonna go along, and we're gonna make a, a, a an anti-fascist message, right? We're gonna say no, that's awful, and we're gonna be really quite overt about it. And that's you know, doing your your overtly anti-fascist black metal when there's a someone who's got like horrendous anti-Semitic lyrics and his other band on the on the same bill. That that makes more of a statement than it does just kind of." picking up and running sometimes depends who you are yeah because if you don't then it's just always that place is going to become overrun by those people and it's like yeah they they win essentially which is obviously not yeah i mean i think i think there are there are situations when that might not be appropriate so if yeah. if it is a comparatively small band who are horrific in like absolutely on an extreme and you are one of the headliners and you do nothing about it well that might not look very good unless you are mm-hmm. really really pushing something hard like if, if for example you are napalm death and there's a nazi bill playing on the 15th stage at one at you know what two in the afternoon well actually you being on the main stage is like doing way more to spread the good word than pulling out if on the other hand you are a like comedy band or you're a a band who's theatrical and is just talking about like gore or you know dragons or whatever and you play well you're doing nothing apart and you're then tacitly supporting it so it does depend on what you're doing i think um anyway digressed a bit there i think that's probably the whole messy, shitty situation covered about as much as I can stomach, to be honest. It's not fun. I don't want to dwell on it. While we are moving on, we aren't done being grumpy. Our next stop is not the Hate Crew Gay Bar. That'll be at the end of the show this week. But instead, it's something else that's been pissing us off. We're uh, really alienating ourselves from the rest of the music press this week, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're doing as much as but like I've I've <laughs> I've generally tried to keep a level head, but there are some times when I just go, I'm sorry, you've got that so wrong. I need to say mm-hmm. something. Actually, we're not going to alienate everyone. I'm going to say really nice things about a metal publication in a minute. Yes, I have one. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm maybe the same one. Yeah. Now, and last week as I said we can, we'd finally be getting onto that Anathema Camp classic, which I think we've postponed twice now, um, <laughs> and we've we've doing it for a third time, and I feel really bad because it's it's really really it's a lovely song, and I really want to talk about it. Um, the Faust thing happened, and we had to have had to push it back. Unfortunately, that one hundred percent will be in the show next week, unless something really 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 bad. No, if something really really bad happens next week, we'll probably just ditch. No, we won't just hate Crew Gay Bar because the hate Crew Gay Bar next week's really fun. <laughs> 
I don't know what will happen, but we'll probably just have a very long show or we'll have a bonus podcast or something like that. Anyway, what we're going to continue this show with is another Harmony Corruption. I have had this topic of discussion in a broad sense rattling around my brain since HBFM started, like right yeah. back in episode one. One of the things that I came up with was, should we talk about this at some point? Right, this was on the initial set of things. Uh, but I was umming and ahhing about whether I actually wanted to do it, which is why it hasn't appeared, because it does involve speaking ill of the dead, and I kind of appreciate that that's not always a good thing. But then something has happened recently that made it clear we had to, and we had to do it now. In fact, we would have done it like two weeks ago if I hadn't gone to Roeburn. Uh, we are going to talk about the late Peter Steele, frontman of goth metal legends, typo negative. Now... Before I floated this idea, Matt, did you know about mm. the incidents behind it already, or was this a nasty surprise? I think I knew. I definitely knew about the playgirl thing, which we'll come on to. Uh, and I think I'd heard like one other comment, but when I was like researching this week, I was like, ah, well, fucking hell. There's <laughs> a fair bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not just the one thing. Um, I want to make clear before I say anything else that I am not asking for you to stick your typo records in the bin, right? Before we say anything at all. Yeah. I'm not trying to get Pete Steele or the band cancelled or blacklisted or whatever. Right? For two reasons. One, as I've said before, I don't think that's helpful. But also, nope. Peter Steele died before the really massive shift in public opinion happened. And for all we know, he may have evolved significantly between then and now. And as we've made the point really clearly before, we would much rather have someone come back than just mug them off, right? Seb Back being like the shining example of someone who did something that was incredibly cruel he says it was an accident, but that hurt a lot of people, to now he's a genuine ally and has done things where we've gone, actually, that that means something to me. That has meant me, made me feel supported in a meaningful way. So we are not trying to get rid of him for that reason, right? We're not. That's not this no. is about at all. I mean, it's, it's not really him that we're angry about <laughs> here, is well, it? Well, but we do need to talk on that, right? No, and no, he's of gonna, if I don't put that disclaimer in at the start, people might think that I'm trying to get someone who yeah, is not here to speak for themselves put in the bin. And I'm absolutely not trying to even come close to that. We do need to discuss, though, his incidents of being charitably less than evolved on our lot. Most of this came about after an incident when Peter Steele, who was built and so tall, even Matt would have had to stand on a box to look him in the eye, posed for Playgirl. Right. Play, there's going to be a generation of people who might not know who Playgirl is. Playgirl was a basically like Playboy was this tits magazine that does it still exist? <laughs> well, it was. That was basically the only reason it existed. Right, was for you know essentially young men and teenage boys to be able to look at boobs. Yeah. Right. That was that was its existence. I have a have, didn't I see somewhere that it's now turned into some kind of serious journalism magazine or something I like that. I have seen this. Yeah, which sounds fucking wild. Which my brain can't get get my head around. Playgirl was essentially meant to be the same thing for um, women to be able to look at dick. It wasn't. It was mostly read by gay men because you know. What do you think that you know? gay men are going to do if offered the opportunity to look at dick at a time when there wasn't the internet and that you know grinder didn't exist yet and there wasn't you know streaming porn on every fucking google result that you might accidentally click on in parliament um anyway he posed for playgirl and he reacted really badly to finding out that a lot of people who enjoyed his news were gay men for example he told new york rocks uh or, uh, or ny rocks even 
after I did it, I thought, oh my God, what did I do? It was more than upsetting that so many guys had it. Girls, okay, but there just seemed to be at least as many guys. Not that I'm homophobic, but it was certainly irritating, right? Point number one, saying not that I'm homophobic is also, is the like equivalent of saying, I have lots of gay friends, or I'm not racist, but because I'm not it's, racist, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it absolutely says that what you're about to say is going to be racist or homophobic. You just want to say that oh, the thing, this racist thing I'm about to say isn't actually racist after all, and I'm not a racist, but I'm just going to say a racist thing, right? It's that, right? It doesn't mean anything. It's it's wank phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, typo negative guitarist Kenny Hickey also told Loudwire that quote. He got upset when gay guys came up and asked for his autograph with the picture. Some of them even came up to me. I was like, I ain't signing that. Get the fuck out of here. The journalist who wrote the piece, that piece for Loudwire, John Wiederhorn, recalls that Steele once told him that he wasn't, quote, anti-homosexual, just pro-heterosexual. She's like saying, I'm, I'm not the same I'm thing, not, dickhead. It's the same thing. Like, if you don't want gay, if you want everyone to be straight, then you you get rid of all gays. Anyway, now, how would you react to those quotes if they were to come out in 2022, Matthew? Yeah, I mean, in a different way, because like, I know, I think, you know, everyone would fucking blow up about it now, but at the time, like, it just seems like it's one of those, or, you know, a couple of those comments that are just trying to be really fucking edgy. And if he meant them, we'll never know. But, it's the fact that you know he was sort of using it as a as a punchline almost. He was using it as a joke, and the fact that he he didn't want our lot to you know have the autographs or whatever, but he'd be perfectly fine with women coming up to it. It's like you can you can be straight. You can, you can still like your women, mate. Like no one's trying to stop you doing that. Like the existence of gay people doesn't stop you from being able to be with a woman. It's fucking weird. Yeah. Well, I reacted much more strongly because I was obviously a lot younger. I was still in the closet yeah. when I first heard these quotes, and I, I really recoiled at them, like genuine kind of like, get the fuck away from me, because it made me think, well, like, I'm not safe here. I have to hide who I am, and it really did me a hell of a lot of damage and stuff like this. Not not in isolation. It wasn't just this one thing ruined my life or anything like that. That would be ridiculous. But this and quotes like it, of which there are plenty. Yeah did me a lot of real damage. So I I fucking hate these particular statements. I find they really upset me. Like really upset me, kinda of hit me where I live, make me feel very alone. Which I I have kind of not really said much about for a long time because most well no, I think my entire journalism career happened after Pete Steele died. So I've never really had a platform where I could talk about it, but you know, this did me a lot of damage, and it's why I fu- I struggle to think positively about Peter Steele to this day. Like I, those really impacted my opinion of him because it it hurt. So um, after that play, I think I think it was like a year or so after um, the song "I Like Girls" by Time Typo Negative came out, and it seemed like a sort of continuation of the reaction um, that he had from that. Um, so there's lines like. Uh, Forget the jar of Vaseline. Hey, rich bitch boy, I'm not going to be your queen. You can draw. Beg me and hope. Uh, there's no damn way I'm playing. Drop the soap. Uh, I know I'm strange, but I ain't no queer. So take your rage and disappear. And there's lines like, Now I don't know whose ass you've licked. No shit tongue boy will ever taste my dick. How about no sex? We'll just be friends. Hey, no thanks, pal. I'll stick to lesbians. I mean, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, come on now. 
to make it clear yeah. that you can't bone me my tattooed ass reads exit only like he was not even trying to hide it at this point yeah and i've i've a load of people have said oh he just had a really sardonic sense of humor he's just being provocative and i go well fuck him then like if you're yeah, exactly. if you are using our existence as a fucking punchline, that makes exactly. it worse. If he means it is bad, if he's using us as a joke, that isn't better. That's worse. Like it's it, it's the same as saying, oh, it, that racist joke is just a joke. What you think it, making people feel bad about themselves because of their ethnicity is is better if it you're just yes. doing it because exactly. it's you're tr- because you think it's funny and you'll get a laugh. You're doing it for a rise. Well, I don't whether he means it or not. Or whether it was a joke, it's it doesn't really matter because they're both bad. They're just degrees of bad, and the one that you're trying to use an excuse isn't the better one, right? I think I've kind of been able to block that one out of my brain because that wasn't like it's awful, but because that was something that I kind of I knew and I was able to avoid, I just kind of went, well, yeah, it's, it's like that. There's a, there is a finished kind of sort of black metal band, very old one, who've got a horrific song like about our lot. Like it's really horrific. But someone warned me about it, and when I went, well, it's fine. I just won't listen to the band then, won't I? This was my thing with doing the research this week because, like, like I said, I knew about the plague. I was like, yeah, that's bad. I knew a couple of other things. I was like, yeah, that's bad. But then I found this song. I was like, oh fuck me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's it is bad. Now, as I said earlier, though. I was still reluctant. Despite all this, I was reluctant to bring it up because he's not here to answer and he might have changed. That was until just before I went to Roadburn when I saw a load of publications putting up tributes to mark the anniversary of his death. Some, like the Loudwire article I've just quoted, I have no problem with as they managed to find a way to pay tribute to the musical talent and the good side of him without needing to gloss over some of the more problematic elements, both of his character and of of those particular incidents. John Wiedehorn seemed to get that acknowledging a human being to be flawed neither denigrates them, nor does it mean that you can't still say, but I still embrace him and I still love his music and I still miss him. Mm -hmm. You can mourn someone who's dead without trying to say that they're wonderful and perfect, right? Some, on the other hand, were gushing, glowing, fucking gutless things that completely overlooked all the horrible stuff from above, including some publications I really did expect a lot better from, and in some cases, from individual journalists I thought better of, people who I thought would get it and realise, no, you shouldn't do that. Now, again, I'm not naming and shaming, so don't ask me to. I'm not putting anything on Twitter. I'm not replying to your DMs if you ask it. Right? I'm not out to get people or... in or outlets cancelled. So don't try and draw us into that. I'd rather see help them see that this isn't helpful and hope they do better next time than simply shit can them onto a naughty step forever. Mm-hmm. It's simply that, as with Faust, if you overlook the homophobia, you send message me the message that you care more about dem riffs than you do that comments like Steel's and songs like Dem Goyle's directly make me feel that metal wasn't somewhere I could be safe and be myself. I just think it's quite a simple thing to eulogize someone and look at each side of them. Like you, like you said, you can still pay tribute. And I think you've got to recognize that, you know, everyone's fucking flawed. Everyone has said things in the past that they regret. And, you know, especially with someone like this, like we said, he might have changed. But that doesn't mean that you have to fucking coward out of saying those things about him. Like, you know, grow some fucking balls and actually put both sides of it across so that people 
can know and it also helps like you know just putting stuff like that like it's all positive it just creates this false illusion that everyone's perfect and it sort of plays into i mean i obviously don't want to go down this rabbit hole but it just plays into the fact that just no one can make mistakes and like you know like you said about the cancelling thing like anyone that makes a small mistake these days you know a lot of people would like boycott them and shit like that and it's like we've always said it's much more helpful to try and make those to try and get those people to learn and we, you know we said ourselves like we will we will make some errors sometimes and yeah let us learn. we're gonna have to apologize for something sooner or later yeah. we probably already have done certainly made some faux pas on social media which people have been quite helpful in pointing out we don't make any more because we learn right and I, you're right it, this kind of thing makes the seb back thing harder because it, this kind of th- you kind of saying oh this that he was perfect and wonderful and and didn't say these things makes it harder for other people to kind of acknowledge when they're wrong and say i got that wrong and i've had to learn from it 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 makes it harder to do that because if you acknowledge it if you try and present people only the good side of things, you're selling the false illusion that people are binary. And they're not. Everyone's shades of grey. Well, I can think of a few people who are caught, you know, <laughs> definitely from the dark side and have very little good about themselves. But, you know, mostly, most people are somewhere in the middle, right? Most people mm. are... Actually, most people are quite good, but have some things that they've got, you know, foibles here and there that aren't great. Most people are like that. Most people are all right. Yeah. It's just yeah. if you present people the only or the, the the fallacy that everyone that you know some people are flawless and we should revere them for that. It's like, did you do you remember? Have you ever heard of a show called Chasers War on Everything? This is a very niche reference, and I'd be very surprised if you have because it was short lived. I feel like I have, but I don't know anything about it. Chasers War on Everything was this Australian kind of sketch show, very very kind of modern for its time. Uh, comedy show in Australia, which was essentially we are going to go after fucking everything, right? There, nothing is safe. It's kind of like South Park, but not cartoon, and very much more provocative, but also much more kind of spearing in its satire. Where it got it right, it was re- it could be really penetrating. It was also awful at sometimes. Um, th- there was one very funny skit involving Cannibal Corpse song played as lounge jazz, which was I was saving. But the, one of the things that I thought they did that I thought was brilliant was that they had a, a musician who was on the show who played like funny songs. And he did a song which was about um, how even cats turn into top likes after death. So it was basically singing about how people who actually had flaws yeah. were, or even in some cases were rubbish. When they died, suddenly everyone was like, oh, but they were wonderful and particularly got eulogized and, and, and their obituaries made them out to be perfect. So you know, and really hit on some sacred cows. The line about Princess Diana has not aged well at all. That's that's not funny. It's quite awfully misogynist and slut shaming for that matter, and a bit racist. Um, but then you know they go after like John Lennon and um, a load of and Don Bradman's in there, which for in Australia is oh, that's you know <laughs> stepping on the on the third rail there, boy. Um, and every time I I read those articles, I just heard in had in the, the back of my head, uh, mm. even dicks turn into top likes after death, <laughs> running around. And that song came to mind, and I had to YouTube it instantly because I went, "This is that. This is mm. people going, you're dead, therefore you have to be wonderful. We can't say anything bad about you, which is not true." No, like the fans of like the bands and whatever, like 
a lot of those won't know and we're not expecting them to know but i think you know the journalists obviously will and i think they have a responsibility to sort of show this else it's just it's just stuff like this and then it gets worse it's just gonna pass and that's it's not okay yeah, yeah. i think what we're asking people to do though is just be just remember that reality happened <laughs> yeah, exactly. don't pretend that things that happened didn't like you don't have to say oh well, we don't have to remember that mm. you don't have to write the history of britain and kind of overlook all the stuff that we did elsewhere right no look no no one says oh hitler was a really good artist wasn't he well yeah but <laughs> yeah exactly exactly it's like uh, it, it, it's the producers thing. It's like uh, oh, yes, but I want to reinvent Hitler because everyone forgets that he was a wonderful painter and he loved to dance. And it's like the moment you do that, you're in the world of the totally bon- bonkers. You are Dom de Luisa in in the producers, right? Which is is not that's a parody. That is an absolute satire. You yeah. don't want to be that. If you're doing that for real, go and watch the producers because it's really good. But also realize you have crossed over into the like you're not doing journalism anymore that's not journalism that's a puff piece that's something that absolutely any twat who can swing string a sentence together could do it's really easy to just say oh everyone's great everyone's wonderful doing something which has complexity and has shades of gray is hard it's why i'm quite happy to quote that don that loudwire article and say yes that was good because it was it, yeah we mentioned that, did but, the yeah, difficult that was thing. the one that i had as well yeah that yeah yeah, it was really good, and like I've read others as well. I can't remember what they were off the top of my head, and that was kind of amateurish. But I, I read at least two where I went, "No, this is right," and then I read a lot that each was not yeah. right. And that's the problem. It's, it's they've shown you how to do it. It's not actually all that difficult. It requires some skill, but that's why you get paid for doing it. That's why it's a journalist job. <laughs> it's why it's not your blog, right? If you just want to, if you want to blog, go and blog, but don't be uncritical about people who said really harmful things. Anyway. I think that's that rant is the sorry I went off on one there. I really kind of I've had this building in me for about years, but it's a lot of years. It's well over a decade that I've had that to kind of vent. Anyway, I think that's the sorry situation covered about as much as I can cope with. All we're asking for is that you acknowledge who people actually were, rather than trying to pretend that their fart smelled of roses and that their piss tasted like Sauvignon Blanc. Um, speaking of Sauvignon Blanc, though, after all that negativity, do you fancy a drink? Yes, now? is the answer. Yes. <laughs> we stumble into the Hatery Gay Bar, where I think we medically need cosmopolitans in one hand and margaritas in the other. Uh, you game for that, Matt? I don't like either of those drinks, but at this point, yeah. Really? Uh, do you mm. not like? Ah, oh, do you not like lime? Because they both got. I think they both got lime in them, haven't they? Um, they do, but no, it's um. Well, I mean, you don't have to have it with the uh, salt, but like if you're having a proper margarita, like I just, uh, oh, fucking, hell. I don't like a salty rim, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even gonna make a tiny sex tape joke about that. That's just <laughs> that one's just punchlined itself. Um, um, you can have it without the salty rim, though. I mean, you shouldn't. It is better with the salty rim, but you know. <laughs> okay, it, it, you can have it without the sodium chloride around the edge <laughs> of the glass. How's that? Is that is that a bit less euphemistic for you? It's fine. I mean, yeah, not that we're getting onto edging again, but yeah. no, we're not. We're not definitely not going onto edging. <laughs> edging. Um, 
Anyway, okay. If you, well, in which case, I will have your your margarita in cosmopolitan and my margarita in cosmopolitan. You can have whatever you know ridiculous thing involving fifteen pints of vermouth that you actually want. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm right though, aren't I? Uh, <laughs> For anyone new to these parts, HGGBs is our heavy metal gay bar we come to every week to get over what the fucking shit we had to talk about. No, we come here every week to talk about, to top up the jukebox with new music. It's already got all the classics, uh, but an endless cycle of duality and blinded by fear can get boring eventually, so we freshen things up. Matt, what are you refreshing us with this week? Um, I've got the album, uh, the new album from Slowly, The Blazing Sun, Fiery Dawn. This came out a few months back, uh, but I've sort of not stopped spinning it, so I've sort of thought I'd need to bring it on at this point. Um, Is it a slow grower? Uh, no, like, I don't know. I sort of loved it from the start, but it's it's that, you know, we said when you keep going back to something like that sort of proves that you really yeah. like it. So I was like, yeah, at this point, it's been on my, it's been like at the top of my backup list for so long. I'm like, I need to, I need to bring it on. I mean, this is dirty as fuck. It's like it's less than half an hour long. It's I, I, what genre would we sort of put this in? Because it's it's a bit of a mix of stuff. I don't think it really has one. I don't. I'm not going to go on a rant about genres, but the whole point of genres is that you have conventions, right? You have generic conventions, and that establishes the kind of the the general idea of for anyone going in blind what you're going to expect right if if you've kind of drifted beyond those generic conventions and you've got this kind of thing which is just kind of there and it's 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 not doesn't really fit into one it's don't crowbar something into it just say it's it's if it's more kind of it's a it's a modern thing right so there's groove metal so bits of like it's a lot of like lamb of god with a little bit of the more kind of at the gatesy metalcore stuff but then there's like some really slow songs which don't fit those yeah. Fair? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you mentioned this song, like Driven by Fear. It sort of goes all Pantera, Cemetery Gates-ish, like all of a sudden. And that, that's sort of where I'm really excited to see where this band go next, because like I said, this is so concise. But they do manage to do quite a lot of stuff. And there's like The Law, uh, Atonement Through Blood, which sort of has a riff, which is like a slowed down version of like an early Gajira sort of style, which... Oh, it's not that technical. No, but like there's just loads of stuff over this that I just really like like there's a lot of the shit that i like just like put together in one thing and it's it's fucking wicked and it's heavy it's like really fucking heavy and it's disgusting uh, there's no way you don't like this right i'm i'm not going to be grumpy about it no no i'm not going to be grumpy grumpy about it because i'm i'm they're a young band right this is their first album isn't it unless mm-hmm. i've massively misresearched them yeah this is their debut yeah so to me, it sounds like a new, like a very, very new band, right? It sounds like a band who are still trying to like turn their influences into their own sound because it does sound like a bit of this, a bit of that, and a bit of the yeah. other, and it's it's not very refined. It's a bit like it's like if you've got a um, someone who's trying to make a cocktail for the first time. It's a brand new recipe; it doesn't exist, and the proportions aren't quite together. Mm. And so you've got kind of you can taste the tequila, and you can taste the you know. Galliano or whatever mad shit you've put together and you can taste the, I don't know, ginger beer and it's not quite sliding together and it doesn't make quite make sense yet because the proportions aren't right. But nothing in itself is is bad. And it's very... Um, it, there are some quite clunky changes of pace. That was the thing that I kind of went, I'm not sure I, I like that, is because when the, the big changes of pace happened, they were very big. And I went, this kind of feels like a band who need another album. But it is very competent in terms of like every individual section 
it's not that the slow song is bad. It's that when it comes, I'm like, oh, they can do the slow song at the end. All right, okay. Well, that was they telegraphed yeah. that about four songs ago, and it's yeah. it's very much oh, well, they like they like Lamb of God and Pantera quite a lot. And I kind of I can hear the influences. What I want is for them to like have a bit more time playing these songs and to get more of their own identity, and then come back for the second album. And then I'm sure I will really like it, and I'll be fully on board because it like the individual elements. I'm going, yeah, I like that. I like 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 that. And you're playing it well, and that's grooves nice, and that's heavy. And yes, like there's there's some real kind of positives there, but it's not connecting into all of what. Did you hear any of the really early Believe from Within stuff? Like from which is now fifteen years ago, I think. Possibly, oh no, maybe ten. I liked Bleed from Within's first two albums, which really were sort of deathcore, and so that's yeah. very weird for me. <laughs> okay, so because I this to me sounds like it doesn't sound like, but it feels like that because I remember those coming out, and I went, I kind of get, I kind of like this, but I think it'll be good later on, and they were, yeah. and it and it sounds very, it feels very much like that, like a band who could be really good, but at the moment there are going to be people who like this kind of thing who are going to go yes, and people who might like it but. Are, aren't as kind of massive on it are going next album and that's kind of where i where i i feel so i'm not i'm not going to be angry and or or say oh rubbish because they're not i'm also not going to be one of those arseholes who you know savages a young band for you know their own satisfaction I think i now get why you like it but i i think i need the next one to get yeah no i mean like obviously, you know, I do like it a lot, and I have been spinning a lot, hence why I bring it on. But I sort of don't disagree with anything that you've said there, and I think the cocktail metaphor is a good one because that's sort of what I started by saying. Like, there's a load of like individual bits which I really like. There's a load of sort of influences that they're taking that are, yeah, maybe it is a bit sort of clunky, it's a bit jarring, but I hear enough in that to, because like this is cool, and it's because it's under thirty minutes long as well. I don't really mind that so much that it's a little bit sort of scattergun. But I think they are really good at each individual thing and good enough at what they do but that if they can bring that all together in a more sort of coherent fashion, then yeah, their next album's going to be fucking sick. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, and like just individually as well, like the instrumentalists. Like... Oh, they can play. There's no, I'm not, I'm not going to criticise the, the musicianship. That's all good. Yeah, the vocalist is fucking horrible. Like the guitars as well, because there's loads of like really cool sort of showy leads going on and that's nice and sometimes they're like under the riffs and that's pretty cool it's like the thrashy elements really cool riffs like i just yeah there's a lot of stuff here but i do see what you're saying about it not being the full package sort of thing i sound really critical i don't want to be grumpy about them i think they're really really promising band i just i'm not on board yet and i'm sorry i I get why you are though like yeah i do really understand why you're into it i'm so i'm i'm don't let me spoil your party because I, <laughs> I I get it and I think n- there is a real potential that next time we could be like both saying yeah we're in this together joint yeah, pick yeah. and it'd be great. Also, good young modern metal bands, more please. Hmm. Uh, the Blazing Sun, A Fiery Dawn by Slowbleed has been entered into the jukebox, um, and my pick this week really shouldn't work. It shouldn't. It should. It should just fall, fall apart like you know two things that have been shoved together and and you know no one's bothered to put glue in the middle. Black metal is famously not a technical style of music, right? Dark Throne have made the joke that when they stopped being a death metal band, it took them three albums to get shit enough at their instruments before they were a proper black metal band, right? So technical black metal should not make any sense. But my pick this week somehow do just that. The band are called, are we calling them Tomorum? Yeah, sure, why not? 
they've got accents in their name. Uh, I'm guessing. Um, and they I think they're American, but the name is Icelandic. So it's probably pronounced wrong anyway. Um, and I'm putting their debut album, Ash in Realms of Stone Icons, into the jukebox. It's basically a little bit of Enslaved, a lot of Obscura, and the first Voices record put into a blender and you know, pulsed until well mixed. To me, that sounds like a frankly lovely time. And I think you must be loving this as well, right? Yeah, this is wicked. This has taken a long time to click. My first listen, I sort of was well impressed by it, but didn't sort of get any like emotional attachment to it. Because fuck me, there's a lot going on. But I think when when you've listened to quite a few times um, and you've eventually managed to get at least part of your head around it, then it's like, yeah, this is fucking brilliant. And I don't want to use the word catchy, but like I'm constantly finding myself with like sort of like motifs from this album like popping in my head out of nowhere yeah or like something will be in my head and i'm like oh that's the fucking domaroom album again like how it comes in the intro is so fucking epic and weird thing to shout out but the fucking bass over this album is it's killer isn't it and it's jazzy as fuck which obviously yeah yeah i think that i think he likes steve DiGiorgio. i'm just guessing (laughs) former death bass player who's who's like if you've ever seen him live, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's just you're just kind of standing there going, "How the fuck?" I saw um the like Death tribute at band Death to All, uh, which had him and um Paul Masvidal playing together on stage, and I was there just going, "Stand close together so I can watch both of you play because this is absurd." Like these are two of the best musicians I've ever seen. In anyway, sorry, I will stop. But yeah, he's at the bass player is wicked. Yeah, I mean, yeah, all of it's fucking wicked. Um, the vocals are so intense and just sound really sort of desperate, which, again, is... Uh, I'm a bit of a sucker for that sort of thing, in, especially in Black Metal, as you may have noticed. Um, yes. The song structures here, you sort of said, like, the whole thing shouldn't work, but I just, like... Again, when you get your head around it, like, the first song itself, it, I just think it's done really well to sort of make it make sense. And there's so much like, lovely flourishes over this album, like the strings sort of uh, oh, going on yeah. in a lot of the songs. They're lovely, like the piano is fucking beautiful. Um, there's a couple of instrumental tracks. One is the intro, but the second one is called Introspection 2. And that is like, yeah, that's so lovely. fucking nice. And then it obviously brings in the last two songs, which make up about 25 minutes of the runtime themselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh God, that last song as well. Fucking hell. Yeah. I mean, it is odd that uh, I'm about to make this comparison because it is fucking beautiful in so many ways and the, you know the, particularly the slower bits are, can be really exquisite um, but speaking of desperate did you listen to the first voices album yeah it's wicked that was in my top 20 though yeah. oh well, what when you were like 15 or something oh no <laughs> seven, 17 i suspect um because there's so much of the, the, uh, the voices debut and i can remember the song t- the album title it's called the human from the human forest create a fugue of imaginary rain uh, and the only reason i know that so well is because i had to review it for metal hammer um, and even if i do say some of it's probably the best review i ever wrote for that mag um, and i i wasn't terrible sometimes um that album is absolutely kind of frantic sexually frustrated album i hate it when people talk about you know sex and metal records in together because it mostly sounds like the person talking has not had much sex um, <laughs> it, it never does because you're saying that this the thing you're talking about has nothing to do with sex voices it like that's absolutely built into it that is absolutely what it is about 
there's there is always something profoundly sexual because David Gray was heavily involved and he was a knacker cocker and that's him, right? So there's going to be a lot of like of sex in there somewhere, and it's the most sexually frustrated thing you can imagine, and it's it's so London that it almost smells like the old district line trains, the ones that have the wooden floors, which were an absolute fire hazard, but you know they kept going for like 60 years. Um, it is absolutely riddled with frustration and misery and that profound social isolation that you can feel when surrounded by that many people, none of whom you have any connection to. This has none of that, strangely, nor is it cold and damp, because it's quite actually quite a warm record. And nor is it overtly sexual, but it does have that kind of desperation. But it's a kind of desperation that speaks more of kind of sky and sunny days and forest and being kind of a little bit lost and trying to find your place rather than being kind of knowing exactly where you are and what your place is, but feeling like there's no point to it and it's 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 hollow and empty. That said, the song Where No Warmth Is Found reminds me so much of Endless, which is the last song in the out on that first voice record and he's one of the best songs i've ever heard um and it's that song is so good that i'm if i'm comparing a song you've written to that you've done a very very good job also look i'm i'm absolutely sure they've listened to that album because the drum sound is so david gray on that record and i respect that because he is an amazing drummer are they programmed drums because like in the bio like there's only two members and neither of them are a drummer Oh, I didn't actually like, ch- check if that. If they are, I mean, obviously it might be just like a session musician, but if they are, then that's like mad impressive. I mean, obviously, if they're not, also mad impressive. Because, yeah, they do sound fucking great. It is possible to like do good program drums now, because obviously Nathrak have been doing that for a very long time. <laughs> um, so uh, in terms of uh, Tomorum, though, uh, I believe they have a drummer. I know there's only two people in the bio, but there are uh, five people listed on the um, Metal Archives page. That's weird. Yeah, if everything I've seen says duo, but it's weird. Uh, well, maybe it's a case of, of live musicians. Yeah. Uh, anyway, good, aren't they? <laughs> yep, very good. Um, I believe the drummer is the drummer for Inferi, who I don't know yeah, very okay. well, I don't think. No, I did listen to that album because it was on the Artisan era, which obviously is a label I've brought in stuff from before. So yes, I did listen to that. So I do know them, and that was. I know I remember that actually. That was very good. Uh, it just came out in a year where there were so many thousands of good albums yeah. that unfortunately it got slightly overlooked. But no, that that makes sense why the uh, the drummer is very good because he's on, yeah. in another very good band. Um, yeah, it's a fucking glorious record. Like I know I've talked about Voice a lot. I should sp- speak more about Tomorrow. It, it it's just an album that makes you kind of feel. I guess all the things because it makes you feel like sad and elated and kind of calm and peaceful and then really frustrated and then it kind of it does kind of let you get let you go in glory at the end which is one real yeah. is where I get more of the comparison with the enslaved stuff is the kind of the you know to put you through 60 minutes of kind of real torment and swirling stuff and then at the end kind of actually let you go into a much happier place than you went in yeah, yeah. like I don't want to spoil anything but like how the last song grows is fucking incredible like, it's wonderful I, isn't it? it i love it so much yeah i know it is my thing for people to do big expansive compositions and to kind of just kind of take you to a place and then let you down again but the mm. i'm such a sucker for this kind of thing and they do it brilliantly yeah you have been through it haven't you like by the end of this album you feel yeah. like you've been through a fucking range of emotions you've been on a journey and yeah you just you feel in a, such a different place coming out to going in and it's 
a better place. Yeah. And the, I, the tech stuff works as well, right? It's not just me, because I, I love no, stuff like Obscura, but making that work in black metal is not something I'm that familiar with. Because it is really kind of jazzy and technical. It's not just a little bit. Like, it's, it, they've been tagged as kind of progressive. I don't think progressive is right, because, okay, the song structure is progressive, but the, there's so much kind of techy, jazzy stuff there that that's got way more in common with, I suppose, probably if you go far back in King Crimson than it does with, like, Pink Floyd, really. And it's it's it really does add something to it that they can really shift the dynamic and it doesn't feel tacked on. It's it's you notice it when it arrives, it, it, which mm. it's supposed to, but it doesn't feel like you've kind of you've done a really clunky gear change and you you've just heard you know something crash out onto the road and is rattling worryingly mm. behind you. It's really kind of glorious. Anyway, Ash in Realms of Stone Icons by Tamarum or however we're pronouncing it has been entered into the jukebox, and well, we'll have more new music for you next week in the extremely camp shape of Visions of Atlantis and Yanni Liimatainen. Uh, for now, that, that is time at the Hate Gay Bar. Next week, we will finally get round to that Anathema Camp Classic. Something's going to ha- awful is going to happen next week, and we're not going to do it now. And it's going to be, we're just going to have to say, right, that's binned off. Um, <laughs> uh, as uh, Untouchable Part 1 finally gets discussed, and as it's been a bit of a heavy one this week, and as that Camp Classic could have some sad bits to it, uh, we're going to cheer you up by talking about another one of the many, 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 many times that heavy metal stepped on a phallic euphemism uh, with the return of Like the Ore Strikes the Water uh, with Falconer's last brilliant song, uh, providing the chortles. That, though, is it for HBFM 79. Uh, thank you for listening. Matt, this was absolutely furious, but we ended up f- f- having some fun at the end. Yeah, that was nice in the end. Um, and I can't believe after you mentioning the uh, albums that we've got for the Hate Creek Gay Bar next week, the listeners probably can't tell who this is. I don't like how this has become a thing. I do. <laughs> Seriously, I'm not kidding. Part of the reason I, I picked that, I had three that were basically in a dead heat, but two of them black metal records. Mm-hmm. And I basically done nothing but so, black metal since the start of March. And I went, if given that and i can't put put anything between them i think i've just got to go for some variety and um i went for one of the two that i've just mentioned and um matt is going to be spend the next week worrying that people think that the one he he didn't pick is is his um <laughs> although uh, hopefully by then he will have come round and will like it until next week though listen to slow bleed listen to tomorrow and remember it does get better And for fuck's sake, stop tacitly endorsing homophobes. Goodbye. Goodbye. (sighs) Well, we got through it. I didn't even need strong liquor in the end. I fucking want it, but it's only like half past twelve.